0: The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media.
1: You people, you know who I am.
0: But you don't know why I'm here.
1: Sting! Okay! It's it's Sting!
0: This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Gonna put some
1: butts in the seat. (laughs) Self high five! We've
0: been hanging and banging, brother!
1: You're next! Watch real monsters go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Woo! Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW look back podcast. My God, it feels good to be back. My name is Sai, and with me as always is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. How are we doing, my friend? Happy New Year, Sai. I'm doing really well. Thank you, mate. How's yourself? A lot better than I was. A lot better than I was. First of all, before we dive into this week's episode of Nitro Nights, I want to just chuck out a quick apology to everybody who, who listens to the show, enjoys the show, sends us... Uh, Nice messages saying how much they enjoy listening to the content we put out, and a a quick sorry to yourself as well, Danny, for having to postpone over the last couple of weeks with Christmas and various illnesses and bloody COVID coming back in the house again and so on, but we are back, my friend. We are back.
0: We certainly are, mate. As the great Megs always says, real life comes first, so no apology needed, mate.
1: Well, there we go. There we go. Aye, so, good Christmas, Danny. Everything all right, was it? Yeah, not
0: too bad, mate, not too bad. Just spent with my sister and niece and her partner and that. And yeah, yeah,
1: really, really good stuff. How about yourself, mate? Well, apart from uh, COVID coming into the house and, and causing havoc of all of our plans and uh, me being very, very ill and then the wife being very ill, it, it was as good as it could be, I suppose. Yeah. It was as good as it could be. Uh, my two youngest daughters who were at home, um, basically, that they, they had a good time. So that's the main thing, I think, isn't it? Yeah, these days it is. Yeah, there we go but that's enough of all that because I think by now everyone will be sick of hearing the word Christmas and New Year and all that nonsense let's dive back into 1996 June 96 to be precise the 3rd of June a Monday evening back then when an episode of Monday Night Raw received a television rating of 2.3 in comparison to the Nitro we are about to talk about which received a flat 3.0 on the same evening so Scott Hall turning up the previous week seems to have done the trick here momentarily quite a little bump for Nitro and a little win there Danny
0: It really is um, I, w- I mean we'll get into it a bit later but like you can really feel the change as soon as he um, came down the stairs it, you really really feel the change in the booking
1: well, this is it. And it's going to be interesting as well, talking to you, because obviously a big a big part of this podcast, a big, a big huge part of the theme that we have here uh, and the whole uh, initial idea of the project that I sort of pitched to you was that you've seen these moments. You've seen Scott Hall coming down the stairs. You've seen Scott Hall with a microphone and cutting that promo in the ring and so on, but you've not seen what goes on around it and a lot of the matches going on and All the rest of it. I mean, a lot of the documentaries that you watch on the WWE Network, for example, you'll have seen Scott Hall come down the stairs. The next thing you probably see is Kevin Nash turning up at the commentary table behind Eric Bischoff. And then before you know it, you know, you get a few moments, a few other moments tagged on the end and it's bash at the beach. There's a lot of television between Scott Hall turning up and that happening, isn't there?
0: There really is. It's, I mean, this has been eye opening. Um, just that's a great way you put it, mate. Is like you do think Scott Hall turned up and then Kevin Ash turned up the next week. And then here we are, like they had that little moment at Great and Bash, then Bash of the Beach. But we have missed, um, they have missed a lot of television. As you said, I mean, there's a lot of great moments in this that just don't go recognised
1: exactly exactly and and really as well when you look at it and we're going to get into this episode of nitro shortly but when you when you look at what we've already seen and what we have you know we already recorded and what we're i suppose what we've already seen ready to record in in the future as well the the nwo moments the invasion the hall the nash moments and, and so on you're literally talking 90 seconds two minutes couple of, you know five minutes tops on a two-hour television show there's yeah. so much more going on In WCW, than just that. I mean, it's very easy to ignore, I guess, or or very easy to sort of sweep under the rug everything else that was happening. And WCW, for me, at this time, going into June of 96, yes, eyes are on the product because of the Scott Hall stuff. Nash hasn't quite arrived yet uh, in our timeline. So, you know, because of the Scott Hall stuff, there's eyes on the product, as we see by the TV ratings I mentioned earlier. But you can't have people tuning in just to see Scott Hall and then turning off again. They need a product that's going to, I suppose, hook those fans turning over and try and get them to stay with their TV show when Scott Hall isn't on screen, don't they? Yeah, that's a great way of putting it, mate. Yeah, lots, lots and lots going on. And a stacked roster as well. But still at the same time, I feel a, a company that's trying to find its feet, as with the first match we have on this Nitro, kind of shows that. We've got how cool Scott Hall was last week and the moments he has and, and some of the stuff going on with Sting and Luger and all that is still rumbling away. But then we open this episode of Nitro with Shark versus Big Bubba. Which is a match that very much could have come from 1989 WWF with, with regards to Shark being Earthquake, Big Bubba being the boss man, and so on. Or John Tenter and Ray Traylor, as, as as also they're known. But Shark, before this, is speaking with mean Gene Oakland. Again, another aspect of it being 1989 WWF, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and he basically, he's got half a haircut, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and it really stood out, didn't he? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, now the interesting thing for me here is he's a unique-looking individual anyway. He's a big, tall guy. He, he's £400, or whatever he may well be. So he's going to stand out anyway, walking through an airport or in a restaurant. He's going to stand out anyway. You add to that, he's got half a haircut now. In in the environment we see him, in the arena, on Nitro, okay, it's part of the storyline. What if he's just going out with his missus for some dinner or going shopping with his kids? He's walking around with that half a haircut, Danny. <laughs> it's, it's just ludicrous, isn't it? It is absolutely insane. Uh, the conversation with Mean Gene, however, is I suppose Shark trying to turn babyface here. He's left the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, the Dungeon of Doom has said that they've got no interest in him anymore. He's he's not performed to what, the levels that they require. I mean, I, I would argue that the Dungeon of Doom's levels of performance don't need to be that high a breaking point, but okay. And he's here then saying, I'm I'm not a shark. I, I'm not an avalanche. I'm not anything like this. I'm not a fish. I'm a man, is the line I took from this, Danny. That was brilliant. That needs to be a
0: t-shirt size. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it will be. Maybe it will be. On that note, there are numerous new designs available via our fantastic t-shirt and merchandise supplier, T Public. The link to find all the Nitro Knights merch and all the Nitro Knights uh, gear: the t-shirts, the hoodies, the mugs, the phone cases, mouse mats, posters, stickers, anything, you, anything you can require. It's all now in its own album. With regards to our Our merchandise supplier. So it's separate from all the other shows as well. So you can literally, if it's just Nitro Nights you're interested in, you can go through the Nitro Nights section there. The link is on our Twitter and it will also be in the description for this episode when this is released. So go and check it out. There's some great designs there. I think we've got some really good stuff. And every penny counts, Danny. So people buying t shirts is a great way of supporting the show and helping us bring you Nitro Nights every week. Well, by the last couple, because I've been poorly. But every week, where possible, Danny. Definitely. Thank you all. Now, back to our half-shaved former shark, John Tenter. He refers to himself by his real name, which is ten- John Tenter, obviously. He says, I'm not a fish, I'm a man. And, um, yeah, he's he's going to face off with the guy who's given him half a haircut. And that is Big Bubba. Before we get there, we get a mention on commentary of Johnny B. Bad and Vader. Apparently, they were listed on a poster or an advert or some kind of promo for this particular episode of Nitro. And they are explained away by Tony Schvone saying they are no longer where the big boys play. They no longer play where the big boys play. Apologies. And this match starts with Shark bumping Bubba around a bit. And then Bubba just walks out for a count-out loss. It's something of nothing, isn't it, really?
0: It really was. It was like, what is this? (laughs) Because, um, yeah, as you put it perfectly, 1989 WWF, it was like, you'd expect this. But, um, yeah, it's a very odd way to start the show,
1: especially with that promo. Yeah, I mean, this is like the second two-hour episode of Nitro. So I appreciate that. I appreciate they're trying to fill... A lot more television time than what they, than they used to. Yeah. But this this episode here, in comparison to the last week, last week I thought went really well. It was well paced. There was a lot going on. A lot, a lot of a lot of stars featured throughout the show. This episode here, the first hour where we have Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco on commentary, the first hour of this episode of Nitro feels more like a pre-show than yeah. it does an actual part of Nitro, to me. How did you take? Th- how did you feel about this first hour in particular, Danny? Because we get a lot of wrestling, but it's just, it doesn't feel the same level as the second hour, does it?
0: Yeah, that's really well said, mate, because this feels like Doves um, W Saturday night. Um, there's a lot on this. I mean, we've got to get into this, but the one thing that really stood out was the um, Sting Lex Luger interview. Um... Anything else on this first hour was kind of just like, to me, is quite miserable.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the next match is another good example of that. We have the faces of Fear, uh, Meng and the Barbarian, and they're facing off against a tag team making their debut on Nitro, uh, a team of High Voltage. Now, this is not Owen Hart and Coco Beware. It's a different team called High Voltage, and they have graduated from the Power Plant, which is WCW's, Um, I suppose, training facility where Sergeant Pittman quite often is in charge down there and he trains guys up ready to uh, come into the wrestling world for WCW. And again, it's effectively a squash match, Danny, isn't it?
0: It really is. And it was just, I looked at this as a um, sort of like a platform for the announcers to hype um, the Great American Bash because that's all they talked about during this match.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is true. I I suppose we are... Uh, at this point now, um, 12, 13 days away from the Great American Bash, we have this Nitro, one more Nitro, and then, obviously, the pay-per-view. And one thing I notice watching this Nitro back, and something I think we'll pick up on as well next week, is how much more the commentary team are pushing the, the pay-per-view coming up. Yeah, We, we said, all, especially through 95, I think, Danny, ww really didn't promote their pay-per-views very well on their television they didn't let us know what was on the pay-per-views this feels a little bit more a little bit more on point doesn't it a little bit more like actual like an actual selling um mindset i think
0: yeah it really does they're using their television time very effectively much more effectively
1: than they did before Mm, yes uh with regards to this this very quick tag match here we get quite a few power moves from the Faces of Fear. Meng does hit a great drop kick, by the way. Look, that looks incredible. The Barbarian uses a belly-to-belly suplex from the top rope, I mean, which is a you know, spectacular move at the best of yeah. times. But when you see somebody the size of the Barbarian doing it, it's like, oh my goodness, that was, that was insane. We then get the double headbutt, the sort of Dynamite Kid, Chris Benoit, Harley Race-esque, diving headbutt off the top rope, but from both Meng and the Barbarian, which I thought was their finish. But we don't get the finish right away. We get a kick out and then Meng hits a super kick to pick up the win. So the finish for me, it didn't seem quite on point. But I suppose the match did what was necessary and it made the faces of fear look very, very strong. and, And I was quite impressed by them, even though it was quite a short outing, Danny.
0: Yeah, same here, mate. I mean, we knew going into watching this, High Voltage was definitely not going to win this, but <laughs> it was how the faces of fear would win this. I'm with you, mate. Um, they should have uh, won with that um, sort of uh, double um, head diving headbutt, or at least that belly-to-belly off the top rope um, should have won it, but at least they got the job done.
1: Yes, yeah, I suppose. Uh, we see Mean Gene next, yet again. And he is talking with our WCW World Tag Team Champions, the team of Sting and the total package, Lex Luger. Uh, they are facing the Steiner Brothers this evening in our main event. And that is for the WCW World Tag Team Championship, which, you know, straight away piqued my interest. So I thought, okay, we've got four very big, strong, impressive wrestlers here. Facing off in the main event of this episode Nitro with the title on the line. Very interesting uh, concept there. But Luger's not great here, is he?
0: Yeah, he seems to be a bit
1: off. Yeah, I mean, promos have never been Luger's strong point, but this one, he, he seems to be second guessing himself. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't ever say confidence is is ever an issue for Lex Luger around this time because the guy bloody loved himself let's be honest <laughs> yeah however it's almost like he's lacking a bit of confidence or a little bit of nerves are set in or I'm not sure he just doesn't he just doesn't believe anything he doesn't seem to believe anything he is saying
0: yeah I definitely noticed some low energy vibes from Lex here
1: Yeah. Effectively just trying to the the promo is him saying that he and Sting are friends. The Steiners were their friends, but can we trust them? They tried to suplex my buddy Sting on the concrete last week. Is this really, you know, the action of someone who is your friend and so on? It's not it's not great, really, from someone who who is very high up the card? I mean, for crying out loud, he's he is the challenger for the world title in the next pay per view, which is in less than two weeks, Danny.
0: Yeah, he really is. But the highlight of this whole interview for me was um, me and Jane threatening to never interview the Steiners again. <laughs>
1: Ah yes, yes. Their opponents, uh, Luger and Sting's opponents, arrive, and uh, they all just start arguing in the changing rooms, pushing each other around. And, and Mean Gene is the star here, isn't he? He yeah. kind of, he is very, very cross that somebody has ruined his interview time. It's, it's, you no, know, it, it, it's good by Mean Gene because it comes across with that little hint of realism to it, I suppose.
0: Yeah, definitely. But does he have that
1: power? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, After this uh, Luger, Sting, Steiner's um, conflict interaction backstage, we have a Hulk Hogan promo video. Are you sick of this yet, Danny?
0: Yes, I'm definitely getting there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I understand Hogan is, in 96, Hogan's still the biggest name in the business. You know, he's still the guy to me. Anyway, I mean, the, the, the WWF have had the whole Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels stuff going on with the new generation. They never hit the heights of Hogan. WSW, obviously we've got uh, Sting there and so on, but he is still, Hogan to me is still probably in 96, even though his, his star power and his popularity is waning. I don't think there's anyone bigger than Hogan still in wrestling in the United States in 96. We haven't got austin and the rock yet so to me he is still a big deal so i can appreciate why wcw are pushing the boat out with regards to his return
0: yeah i mean they have to get him on the show somehow
1: don't they? well yes i guess so i guess so next up we have another match that i suppose could at this stage in our nitro watchback be argued as being saturday night fodder maybe yeah because we have Sergeant Pittman, who you know we mentioned a few moments ago from the uh, power plant st- uh, stuff and so on. And he is taking on the Disco Inferno. Now, Disco is a character that I'm very up and down upon. I try and take Disco in 96 away from disco inferno or or glenn gilberti i think is how you pronounce it Uh, in modern day with regards to his twitter and the way he talks on certain podcasts and so on because he comes across like a bit of a knob now in present day (laughs) oh yeah totally totally however in 96 he comes across like a bit of a knob but he's supposed to and here especially i think it really works danny
0: it really does. It's like um, that obnoxious guy um, at the club that you just want to knock out, and um, he yeah, fits his he fits his um, role very, very well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's this cowardly. I mean, it's a comedy heel first of all. Yeah. He's a comedy wrestling character. He's a cowardly heel, and there's just aspects to him. The, the the dancing. I mean, first of all, he's he's not the biggest guy by any stretch of the imagination, but he's put together. He looks great and he's doing the the stupid disco dancing, which just makes him look (laughs) ridiculous. But at the same time, as annoying as it once was, his entrance theme now, I actually find really catchy. I suppose the repetition of hearing it as often as we have, I actually find it really catchy now.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a a reason he stayed that long in WCW. Um, He's definitely uh, played the part very, very
1: well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this match, again, is relatively short. There's not a lot that goes on. But the finish... The finish, initially, I thought, that's absolute bullshit. I was not happy with the finish at all. But the more I thought about it, the more I realised it actually works on so many different levels. Sergeant Pittman attempts to put on his Code Red hold, which is uh, a version of an arm bar, isn't it, Danny? Yeah. And as as pitman grabs hold of disco inferno's wrist and attempts to put the move on disco gives up before the hold is even applied there's no there's no pressure there's no pain there's there's nothing there disco quits before you know just when pitman grabs hold of uh, disco's wrist the camera cuts to disco inferno in the corner and he's tapping his head and he says into the camera you know he gave up because he doesn't want to go into that move because the pain or potential injury, well, it, basically, it would affect his dancing. And I thought to myself, one, that gets over the character of Disco Inferno, even though he looks like a chicken shit and he's lost the match, because it adds even more to what Disco Inferno is about. And two, it gets that code red hold over a little bit more.
0: Yeah, the way you've just put that aside has actually changed my opinion on this as well, because. That fits uh, a character like Disco Inferno, doesn't it? It's like, oh, he would run away from a fight.
1: Yes, and it's all about you know how his hair looks, and and he actually does a few uh, a few dance moves, and and says to the camera, oh, if he put that move on me, I wouldn't be able to do this anymore, or I wouldn't be able to do this anymore. And to me, it just kind of initially I was pissed off, and I thought, oh, what is this nonsense? But after a minute or two, I thought, you know what, that's that's good because. Yeah. I mean, however far we've got into the show already, we've had three matches now, plus an interview segment and so on. It's that finish and Disco looking into the camera, laughing and saying, yeah, but I can still dance. That's my takeaway from the early part of the show. So it's worked.
0: Yeah, it definitely has. I hope they continue with it.
1: Mm, Indeed. Uh, Next up, we get, again, a contest that... No disrespect meant to either guy involved, but if this was on a Saturday night, I could appreciate it. And we can see how... We can see how Nitro is kind of turning the corner with regards to having uh, the the old, almost meeting the new at times. This match here, again, we have another throwback to late 80s WWF in Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And he is facing Lord Steven Regal. Now, Regal is going on to the next pay-per-view to face Sting one-on-one, which is a huge deal. I mean, Sting is still the man in WCW, even though Hogan is the biggest name in the business and and so on. In my opinion, at this time, Sting in WCW is the guy. He is the fan favorite. His crowd reactions are not waning. His crowd reactions are are not on the turn like Hogan's are. He is still incredibly popular Danny, is isn't
0: he? Yeah, he really is. I mean, you could say he's the workhorse of WCW.
1: Hmm. Yes, uh, but again, I mean, there's not a lot that goes on here for me. Duggan goes through his usual shtick to get the crowd going. There you know, was USA chance, his hoes, and, and and you know, stomping his feet and all that sort of stuff, which we've seen a million and one times, and it's just part of what Duggan does. And it's it's you know, it, I don't mind it because it reminds me of being a kid, but it's not exactly gonna make me rush out to go go back and watch another contest like this however regal's reactions to this are brilliant
0: yeah definitely i mean that to me i've written that down is like that's the highlight of this match is william regal working around um jim duggan no disrespect to jim duggan but like william regal did i would say 90 percent of the work here
1: Mm. yeah yeah that's fair enough uh ultimately we get the blue bloods interfering uh, they distract Duggan for a moment. And then Regal ultimately wins with a roll-up and a handful of trunks. Which is what you need, I think, because Regal's going on to face Sting. He needs to be winning matches if that's, if that's where he's heading in just shy of two weeks' time. But again, it's just another match that was kind of... There was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't. I'm not sitting here calling it terrible or anything like that. No. But there just wasn't much to it again, Danny, was there?
0: No, there really wasn't. it was like, this was like a, a vehicle for um, William Regal to show that apparently he's um, out of nowhere, just unhappy with the USA. So they thought, okay, let's get Jim Duggan out there because he who's more patriotic than um, Jim Duggan? So, um, yeah, it was kind of... And then I was left thinking, what is the connection with Jim Duggan and Sting?
1: Well... I suppose there is there is not a great deal there, isn't it? But uh, yeah, yeah, again, it's just an opportunity to get Regal on television, get him the win. And, and then, of course, he cuts a promo after the match in the ring with Mean And we get a little video package of Sting being slapped on the, the main event TV show from the weekend. Apparently, Regal got fined for this. And it's all just setting up the Great American Bash uh, meeting in, in two weeks time, Danny, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and I love that because it's giving us a story rather than just a cold match. And that was a hell of a slap from Regal, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and he got fined for giving somebody (laughs) a slap. That's, That's new to me in the world of wrestling. Well, it looks like they haven't changed the
0: rules uh, on the main event that they have on Nitro. Anything goes on Nitro.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. A little bit more regimented on main event. But there we go. (laughs) Another recap follows this, though. We get quite a good video package by WCW standards and by 1996 standards. Recapping the whole Kevin Sullivan, Chris Benoit situation they're heading into Great American Bash for a Force Count Anywhere match. And we, we you know, we get uh, uh, the story here of the Dungeon of Doom and the Four Horsemen and how it's kind of whittled down to just Sullivan and Benoit and how we're heading into the next pay-per-view and they're going to have this Force Count Anywhere contest. So, I
0: loved this, si. this yeah, This uh, little video, as you just said, by 1996 and of W Standards, um, this was great, but I think this could hold up well today. Um, I just had a question for you. Was yep. this supposed to be um, Kevin Sullivan, Brian Pillman?
1: I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't, <laughs> I can't answer that. I mean, Pillman was obviously by this stage, Pillman's left the company yeah. and, and the whole Pillman stuff that happened on the previous, uh, on a previous pay-per-view, you know, the, I respect you, book a man and so on. I, I, I would say probably not. Hmm. Because the plan was always for Pillman to go away and come back. So maybe this was filling in yeah. whilst we're waiting for Pillman to return. I mean, what are we on here? June 96. So had Pillman debuted on WWF television by now? I don't think so. Oh. I mean, Austin won King of the Ring around this time. So I think Pillman probably would have debuted on WWF television a while after this or a short yeah. while after this which would lead me to believe that in Bischoff's mind, they were still looking at Pillman coming back. So maybe this absence was always going to be on the cards. I mean, I can't say for certain I'm I'm trying to just looking at the timeline and kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pillman, he didn't join the WWF until, or well, June the 10th I'm looking at here is when he signed with the WWF. So, he hasn't actually signed with Vince yet, as we talk here on June the 6th, but he, he probably can't be far away. Bischoff famously got worked into thinking that he was going to come back. So at this point, Pillman's absence, I think, probably was still semi-planned. Yeah, because so, they're,
0: they're still mentioning his name on television, aren't they? mm mm-hmm
1: yeah so i don't know if the plan was for pillman to be facing benoit here sorry pillman to be facing sullivan here i because i think pillman's absence and his is is you know arrivals and, and moments in ecw were all still going on at this point so i don't think the plan was that but again i i, I don't know for, sh- for sure my friend i'm just kind of going off the top of my head here but yeah, we get us Kevin Sullivan wrestling though, don't we? A- yep. Against somebody that we've not seen before, Danny. No, I've never seen, no Chris
0: Ikea. Um, but this, this uh, to me, this was the highlight of the entire Nitro. I loved this match. They booked Kevin Sullivan perfect here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's relatively quick, mind, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it's just a squash, but it got. It made you think, oh, Kevin Sullivan. We've laughed at him on this show, but to me, he looked... um, I don't want to say he looked like Brock Lesnar, but he looked...
1: (laughs) I'm glad (laughs) you don't want to say that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but his... um, Sort of like his facials and the way he was just battering poor Chris uh, here uh, around and just squashing him down, it just... It's they're really I mean, Kevin Sullivan's got the book at this point, hasn't he? So no wonder he's acting like this. But yeah, this I loved this.
1: Yeah, at this point in his career as well, Bischoff had sat down with Kevin Sullivan and basically said to him, he wants him to stop wrestling or at least really reduce his wrestling output. He wants Sullivan to be his booker and not be on television as much. And Bischoff in more recent times has has you know gone on record to say that. He said this for two reasons. One, it's very difficult to be a wrestler and a booker at the same time. And two, perhaps slightly mean of of Mr. Bischoff, he says nowadays on on his podcasts and various interviews that Kevin Sullivan looked like shit and his matches looked like shit so he didn't want them on the television.
0: I would disagree. I mean, this was perfect to me. This was Kevin Sullivan just wailing his opponent. Um, Could he have done this... Twenty years ago, yes, but he might have looked better twenty
1: years ago. I still think he was a good part of the show. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Um, on that note, then I suppose obviously we've had all the Dungeon and Dungeon of Doom nonsense for quite a while. Pretty much since we started this project, Dungeon of Doom were quite quite relevant and prominent in our our TV watchback. They they're still there. The, the the name Dungeon of Doom is still discussed. We've still got the shark and Bubba stuff going on, which has got a Dungeon of Doom aspect to it, I guess. Yeah. But they're not as as prominent or not as as you know top level as they were when we first started. Yeah. Is this is this the most relevant Sullivan has been since we started our watchback?
0: Yes. Unless you count um, when he was shaving Hulk Hogan's mustache off of his face, um I felt he was just no nonsense here, but yeah, I really hope um, they go forward with um, how, this serious side of Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, mate. How about well, you?
1: Is, well, this is the thing. I'm, the, the point I'm sort of trying to raise, I guess. Mm. This version of Sullivan. I mean, i say this version. It's not too dissimilar to what we've seen already, but he's very, as you said, Danny, very serious, straight to the point, destroys his opponent, looks, you know, quite aggressive, and so on. I like this version. However, when he was involved with all the Dungeon of Doom nonsense, he was in and around the main events. He was in and around Hogan. So it's kind of that thing for me. Are we seeing a better version of Kevin Sullivan here? But was he more prominent with Hogan? I don't don't know. I don't know. It's difficult to decide. I I, I think in-ring, and what we're seeing from Sullivan with regards to his own personal output on the product... This is better, but is, he's in the mid-card here, working with potentially Benoit at, at the Great American Bash and Prince Ayakia here on an episode of Nitro. Is he as big a deal here as when he was involved with Hogan in the Dungeon of Doom? I suppose is the question I'm trying to raise. Even if we think this version looks better on screen, is yeah. he as big a deal? I don't know.
0: Yeah, so it's, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. But yeah, I'm very, very happy with this match.
1: Hmm. We do get a promo from Sullivan afterwards, and he talks about, you know, going off to face Benoit and so on. But then he has he has to have a rant about bloody Hogan, and he talks about Hulkamania is not dead. I mean, Gene jumps in there straight away. Oh, of course it's not. Yeah, well done, Gene. And, um... <laughs> he says like Hogan will be back soon and he'll be out for people. And he says, Oh, I'll be out. F- he'll be out for you. Jimmy Hart. To which Jimmy Hart starts acting like a pantomime cartoon villain and, and checking behind him just in case Hogan was there behind him at that moment. And it's just like, again, to me, it's just the divide in the company at the moment. We've got yeah. so many, so many cool aspects and so many almost like reality based aspect of, of the, of this supposed invasion, these supposed outsiders coming in and some brilliant in-ring content as well and then we just get stuff like jimmy hart acting like like a cartoon villain from the 80s and it just takes me out at the moment danny
0: no i completely can see that mate but it's just like um at this point i've zoned out jimmy hart now so <laughs> but i did see your point
1: Ah, uh, fair enough, fair enough. Something from the 80s that I definitely do not mind, however, even if it does look a little bit out of place on this episode of Nitro, is the match we get next. And this, this is like a, a, the main event of a clash of the champions from 1986 or something. Yeah. We have Ric Flair and R Anderson working as a tag team because obviously they're getting you know, prepared for their tag contest against Mongo McMichael and Kevin Green, the NFL players that are facing them at the Great American Bash. Flair and Iron, though, they're taking on the Rock and Roll Express here, which in 1996 feel like a blast from the past, which is insane, considering they're still working now. <laughs>
0: That is, doesn't it? I mean, that's one thing I wrote down. Is like they basically look the same today as they did here.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the rock and roll, such a iconic tag team and, and you know, one of the best babyface tag teams of all time, in my opinion, that they were so good. And, and their popularity, you know, throughout the territory days and in certain areas of the country, it was unmatched. They They were main event stars. But here in 96... They already look a little bit dated for me. Mm.
0: Yeah, I could see that, mate. I, I love this match, but I mean, one, we'll get into it, but there was one thing that just took me out of this match completely.
1: Okay, okay. Well, well, let's get into it. I mean, first of all, the entrances are made. We have Flair and R. Anderson coming out in Mongo and Kevin Green's NFL gear, wearing their their jerseys with their, their numbers on and so on, which I thought was a nice touch. And then we get the countdown to hour two a little stick of dynamite uh, in the corner with the fuse burning away and Tony Schiavone is trying to build up huge levels of excitement saying oh you can see there the clock says 40 seconds oh there's only 30 seconds left now till hour two. Oh, oh, look at this now there's only 25 <laughs> seconds it's like, alright Tony okay mate I appreciate what you're trying to do but you're not going about it in the, re- in, in the best way here is he
0: no this was what took me out of the whole match um, okay because, I mean, it was something we've brought up before, so it's like, OK, just every, we love realism in wrestling. And so, like, if you're in a fight and in a pub somewhere and the people just tell you to stop immediately for a countdown <laughs> and then load like, the pyro goes off. Are you supposed to just be that angry as you was before the pyro goes off? I mean, it just took me out of it. I hated this. Um, yeah. I don't think any other wrestling company has done this.
1: No. And again, I suppose from that aspect, I don't mind it so much mm. because they're trying something new and they're trying to be different to the WWF. Yeah. And the idea of the second hour of Dynamo, sorry, second hour of Nitro being this this big deal it's a countdown to the second hour and now we're going to get something different and the announce team changes and we've got the tag team titles on the line and and all this stuff. I can appreciate that really trying to hype the excitement up to keep viewers with them. So I I get that. I completely understand that. However, is it possible? I don't know. I'm about to contradict myself now. So please bear with me, but the countdown idea I like because yeah. countdowns build excitement. Doesn't matter what they're counting down to. You know, it, it, it's, it's a tried and tested method of building up excitement in the crowd. You've only got to look at the Rumble or Jericho's debut or whatever for that. Now, the countdown here, it, again, I can understand where they're coming from. And then the fireworks and the pyro go off to start hour two. I get that as well because you'd have just been coming back from an advert or somebody might just be turning over from what they were watching top of the hour flicking through the channels and you see all these fireworks and pyro going off. And then you see Ric Flair in the ring with the rock and rolls and iron, And so on. I can appreciate it. And you got Bischoff at this stage, hyping it up. Oh, here we go. Hour two of, of Monday Nitro. We've got the tag titles on the line later on. And we've got Ric Flair wrestling now and, you know, come and join us and the pyro and the fireworks and the explosions. Crazy exciting. Does it have to take place there and then though? Could they not yeah. have done this? And then had the wrestlers make their entrances. I mean, a, a small yeah. switch around, a, a small turnaround in what they did, but would that have made much of a difference, do you think, Danny? Or is it important to have the guys in the ring, so after the pyro, the match begins straight away? What do you think? I think
0: after the entrances might have been the best time to do this, because you're watching this on hour one, and you're like, okay, what's going to happen after the countdown? So... I thought just before the action starts, because I just can't see the reason these four wrestlers will just stop fighting just for the, um, for the pyro and the fireworks and the excitement.
1: Mm. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I can explain why one wrestler could potentially have stopped. Uh, what he was doing for the sake of the pyro and the fireworks. And that's good old Ricky Morton of the rock and roll express. If you can take your eyes away from the pyro and w- <laughs> what's going on and just focus on Ricky Morton. When the fireworks go off, he absolutely shits himself. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he doesn't realize it's coming or, or what, but those fireworks go off above the ring and in the entrance way and by the commentary table and so on. And Ricky Morton jumps out of his bloody skin. <laughs>
0: oh my god i must have missed that but i can just imagine it.
1: yeah it's worth going back to look at it's yeah worth going back uh this match however with all the fireworks and the hype the crowd are wild for it danny aren't they?
0: yeah that's something i wrote down as well as like um it worked i mean just because i didn't like it it definitely worked and i hope they do go forward with this with just a little bit better timing but yeah i, I do like the fact that they um they had it just spontaneous like that but just um just guys just get better just get better at timing
1: <laughs> well yes yes indeed and maybe let ricky morton know it's coming before yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we got some great face work for from from the rock and roll here which is what you'd expect because that's what they are they're fantastic at this and the crowd are uh, thoroughly on the side of the rock and roll express We get a moment with a double figure four, which got a great reaction from the crowd before the heels ultimately take control when Morton misses a splash into the corner. Um, But then very quickly it gets turned around and the baby faces lose. So (laughs) 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 talk us through the finish, Danny. And and, and, and did you enjoy this? I mean, it's very much a, a 96 snippet. I mean, for us, going back to 96 is a snippet of the past, but this feels like a snippet of the past from 96 going back even further. But how did you, how did you enjoy this with the rock and roll and so on?
0: I really like this because I haven't seen too much of the rock and roll express, um, just in any wrestling, but I really want to go back and watch some of their matches. Um, to me, the biggest pop of this match was when Arn Anderson spine busted, um, Ricky Morton and it got a giant ovation. Yes. Um, and I just—I also wrote down. Just um, I love that Rick Flair and Arne Anderson were just making frequent tags. Um, mm. That I love that because you don't really see that these days. Um, I just found it a bit weird that Bobby Heenan just left in the middle of the match. I don't know if you—if uh, that happened
1: uh, just in the middle, did it? Yeah, I mean he went down to basically after the match we've had a we have a promo from Flair and Arn, don't we? And and they're talking away and. Heenan basically announces he's going to coach this four horsemen team at the Great yeah. American Bash. So I suppose he's got to go down and get himself ready to, to do this. And Heenan, but while he's doing that. Uh, yes, yeah
0: on. Sorry. Woman breaks yeah, uh, Robert Gibson's eyes. Arn Anderson gets the DDT and Ric Flair gets the pin.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, that Arn Anderson DDT. Respect. The fucking DDT, Danny. Yes. it's a finish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great stuff, and and uh, the rock and roll even here in '96 is, is, is still more than capable of putting on a great match. Flair is the man. Arn is just one of the most underrated talents of all time. And Heenan here in the promo afterwards is brilliant as well. It just all of it just works for me.
0: Yeah, there's there's a reason they saved this for hour two because this was this whole Bobby Heenan uh, performance was just fantastic, and I love any time that he gets out of the
1: announcers table as well. Mm. Yes, indeed, yes indeed. Uh, after that, they're plugging the Great American Bash and the, I suppose a real selling point for the pay per view. I guess you have got two very established names like Flair and Arn. And they're associated with, again, a very well-known name from wrestling past in Bobby Heenan. Facing off against two stars from the NFL, quite a big selling point for the pay-per-view. We get another Hulk Hogan video! (laughs) Well, yep, they're definitely taking their toll now. (laughs) Indeed. But what follows the Hulk Hogan video, Danny? What follows it?
0: What follows it is fantastic because it's Bobby Heenan just... We're going back to the Bobby Heenan um, segment because he just, him just screaming into the microphone and just saying that he refuses to be a manager for Ric Flair and Anderson. Instead, he'll be a coach.
1: Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's Yeah,
0: but straight Uh, after that, we get um, the Giant saying that he'll, um, oh yeah, the Giant promo was next, wasn't it?
1: Well, we get a few more promotional videos as well, don't we, in the next few moments of this episode of Nitro. We'll run through them all now, just to get them out of the way, Just you know, and then get on with a bit more wrestling. We've yeah. had a Hogan video, which is the second one of the night. We then get a video of the whole Blood Runs Cold, Glacier is coming to WWE, yeah. which I know gets you excited, Danny. It does. It's so
0: excited that apparently I've missed it. <laughs> and um, do you know what we had shortly after that as well? No, I don't think I saw that.
1: Another Hogan
0: video. No way. It was. Um, I, no wonder I've zoned out because it's just too much. <laughs>
1: ah he's american made indeed and following that though we realize that you know amazingly and exciting i suppose for for the viewers coming back from these video packages we've got a world title match the giant is coming to the ring and he's going to face off against ice train because apparently ice train has done enough in the last few weeks to earn a world title shot i don't quite understand how that works but that you know wrestling i guess yeah (laughs) Uh, we learn here that fire and ice are going to be facing the Steiners at the Great American Bash. That's made me quite happy, Danny. I think that's going to be quite a good yep. contest. I can't wait, mate. That sounds really, really interesting. Mm. And from this again, we get a very quick, effectively a squash. Well I don't even it's not even a squash. I think it's is it just one move?
0: Yeah, it was just pretty much an angle, wasn't it? But also at the top of this match, at the very top, um Eric Bischoff says that Hulk Hogan is announced for WCW Hog Wild so he'll be making right. his return at Hogwild
1: apparently interesting okay well there we go uh jimmy hart distracts ice train right at the very beginning of the match he turns around gets choke slammed and that's that isn't it i, I don't I, I think that is literally it I don't, I don't even think there's a punch thrown or i think no, that is literally the whole match
0: it's shocking because if you had asked me one wrestler in on this entire um, Nitro who was going to be in a world championship match. I would not have said Ice Train, but Ice Train is here going for the world championship. And yeah, he just kind of just eats a chokeslam. And then to me, this whole thing was just a vehicle to set up um, the giant just looking so strong because Ice Train has had a little bit of a push with uh, along with um, Scott Norton. But
1: I, I, I feel like he was buried here, so. Si. Mm, yeah i mean in a way i agree with you yeah if you're looking at it solely from an ice train standpoint yeah i can see where you're coming from and i can agree with you however i think if you look at the bigger picture Mm. you've got the giant going in to the great american bash to take on lex luger who is a big muscular individual the giant needs to look like a big killer for the baby face to overcome you know, yeah. this, this this challenge that's facing them. So the fact that in the last few weeks we've seen the Giant, you know, squash his opponents, and then here he destroys Ice Train pretty quickly, adds more momentum to the Giant, I think. And then from yeah. there, we also have Scott Norton, the other half of the Fire and Ice tag team, come out, and he gets down a couple of times as well. The Giant looks like an absolute monster. Yeah. But, <laughs> you also then got to look past the Luger stuff as well, because we're getting all this hype for Hogan. And whenever there's the world title and a big monster to vanquish in this era and before you're, you've got to be thinking Hogan is is in the frame as well, because that's just how wrestling worked in in the United States in the late eighties through to the early nineties. And here we are in the mid nineties. They were still trying the same thing every now and again. And that, is again is another aspect of what we're doing here i think we're building the giant up with the great american bash in mind but almost like the great american bash is it's the first point that we're coming to in regards to the giants build up but it's almost like a secondary point because we're looking beyond that and hogan i think
0: yeah definitely and the giant has um, a legitimate gripe when he asks why are you showing hulk hogan problems why aren't you showing my problems i'm the world champion he's actually dead on there
1: yes yes 100 percent. why all the hulk hogan videos the giant asks mm. and the whole world shouted yes giant why why all the hulk hogan videos we are 100 percent with you yep yeah. That's how I felt, anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, Scott Norton has been destroyed by the Giant and left lying. And whilst he's led in the ring, basically pretty messed up by our world champion, Hugh Morris comes out because our next scheduled contest is actually Scott Norton facing Hugh Morris. Now, this was a real strange one for me because Morris attacks Scott Norton, who's on the floor still, lands a few elbow drops and so on. Then he goes for a moonsault, which I don't know if Scott Norton was supposed to catch him, Danny, but he kind of half catches him, half slaps him away. It looks quite messy.
0: Yeah, it really did, didn't it? It was like, it just kind of swatted him away.
1: Mm. And then Norton chokes Morris, gets two hands around his throat. Whilst he's choking him, which by the way, as, as wrestling fans are all fully aware, is illegal in professional wrestling. Whilst Norton is choking, Morris, the referee counts to three. This was weird. <laughs> just to me it's just it's just stupid.
0: I felt that like this was a giant time waster. I mean time filler, sorry. <laughs> well, time waste if you can. Well, but yeah, it could be both. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this was just here to fill time. Um I I found it weird that I'm happy that Scott Norton won, but I find it weird that he won after just eating two slams from the Giant and still winning against Hugh Morris. But yeah, as, especially with Hugh Morris taking his time to walk down the ramp and everything like that and pose, I just felt like they just threw him out there and said, just work something
1: out. Mm. You mentioned earlier about how there's potential for ice training to have looked a bit weak here, mm. to, to to not, you know, uh, and we you know we've kind of discussed that ice train being treated the way he was treated here is part of a bigger picture that they're, they're building the giant. So somebody has to be the fodder for the giant to destroy. here, I can understand again why the giant has destroyed Norton because it adds more to the giant, of course. Morris comes down. he's facing he's facing a guy who's already been wrecked by by the giant. and ends up messing up a moonsault and getting choked out and pinned. If anyone, I think, in this whole scenario looks daft, it's Hugh Morris to me.
0: Yeah, I can see that as well, mate. Yeah, that's um, that's a great point.
1: Yeah, who knows where that will head. I'm sure we will find out in the next couple of weeks. Or, in true WCW fashion, it will get dropped and never thought of again. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Up next, we have yet another video package. However... It is not involving the great orange one, Mr. Hogan himself. This is involving our NFL tag team that is going to be taking on Arn Anderson and Ric Flair at the Great American Bash, and they're trying to, you know, put together a game plan, aren't they? With a whiteboard and a marker pen, drawing of a wrestling ring, and they're trying to say, you stand here and you do this, and and so on, and they're putting together all these. Very poor football references whilst Kevin Green sits there chomping on a slim gym and they decide that this isn't working. We need a coach. Do you have the same thing in mind as I do? As they both look at the slim gym that Kevin Green is eating with some sort of mystical awe about this (laughs) meaty snack and (laughs) they both decide we need to speak to the macho man. Danny, how did you find this whole promo vid uh segment, etc., that's trying to move along the NFL tag team story?
0: I appreciate what they tried to do with the subtle hint with the um Slim Jim, but this really did come off bad for both of them because it kind of made them look like idiots. Where um in the previous um video that they had when they were training, that that was all fair and and well, because they were just like pumping iron and just like doing wrestling moves and things like that, but th- then with a whiteboard and a marker pen and everything like that, it was like, okay, we don't really wrestlers don't really do this um and then with the slim gym and everything like that, it looks like we're going to get much on man back now, si
1: yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, I just think this is really bad t v mm it's cheesy it's badly acted and again we're we're talking about two guys here who they're nfl players they're they're, they're professional you know football they're american football players they're already out of their comfort zone with regards to being in the wrestling environment and then but i suppose i suppose there is a slight crossover with regards to them being athletes before that they step into the wrestling world then they're they're not cutting a promo here they're not they haven't got mean gene to guide them they haven't yeah. got they haven't got a manager there to speak for them they haven't got somebody asking them questions for them to respond to which is also quite a clever way of hiding a, a wrestler's shortcomings with regards to cutting a promo if he is just answering questions given to him they you're asking these two guys who you know don't get me wrong mongo's pretty charismatic we, on commentary as as much as we've laughed at mongo at times and and had some fun at his expense i've always enjoyed mongo being there but this doesn't play to their strengths at all this makes yeah. them look like a pair of morons a pair of, i suppose uh, the, i suppose you, you go back to like american terminology with regards to certain um sports sportsmen sports people they come across like a pair of, of jocks, dumb jocks. Yeah. They come across like a pair of meatheads.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just found it hilarious when Mongo kept screaming, you've got to penetrate, baby, you got to penetrate.
1: Oh, my God. How many times did they say baby to each other? <laughs> that, oh, very, that annoyed very- me. That that wasn't just a case of me thinking, okay, they're out of their comfort zone or anything like that. They kept saying baby to each other so much. It it, it wasn't just a case of trying to ignore their shortcomings. It pissed me off. I, was yeah. c- I could not wait for this to finish, just because of how often they called each other baby.
0: <laughs> but is this a good way of bringing Randy
1: Savage back, si? Um, I guess it's quite clever. Yeah. Because Savage is... <sighs> savage is involved with flair because of what's been going on with the liz storyline and the money and so on he can't work at the moment he's he's serving this suspension he's not a wrestler so he, he can't wrestle on television or anything like that because he's suspended and i think this is the done for, for the fact that savage is trying to nurse that arm injury that we spoke about on, on numerous occasions in the in previous weeks and months with regards to randy savage also, when you look at the big picture of of the card for the Great American Bash, the obvious if Savage was to wrestle would be Flair. Because yeah. the, the the world title picture, you've got Luger in there with the Giants, where Savage isn't gonna fit in there anywhere. Um Sting then isn't gonna work Savage because Sting is a babyface, Savage is a babyface, so it makes no sense. <laughs> so you've only really got something with the horseman with regards to the top end of the card for someone like a Savage to, to be involved in, because Savage is a, a guy who should be at the top end of the card, purely by stature and ability. Now, if he was to wrestle, where would he fit in? Again, Luger and the Giant, that, that sword's took to one side. Sting is a no-go. Not really left with many other options. They want to push this NFL um, crossover, Kevin Green and Mongo wrestling, and it's going to get eyes on the product that they maybe wouldn't have had before those two stepping into the ring you're going to want two guys across the ring from them who can really help guide them through their contest on the pay-per-view so they don't look as green as they you know pardon the pen with kevin green obviously but they don't look <laughs> as as green as they maybe could do I don't think you can pick two better than Rick Flair and Arn Anderson to help guide them through the match from that aspect. Yeah. So I suppose you don't really have anything else for Savage to do. So if he's taking time off to recover from this injury, which he, I, I believe he was at this point, having him involved in the pay-per-view and acting as a coach for Mongo and Kevin Green, I suppose does kind of work. Yeah because it gets him on screen whilst he's still serving this supposed suspension. He's still linked with Flair, so that feud can still carry on whilst Flair is, uh, I suppose, <sighs> distracted by the NFL team he's facing. So I suppose in a way, it's it's quite a clever way of getting Savage involved. And I suppose with Savage, it's getting star power on the show, really, Danny. How, yes. how about yourself? What do you think?
0: Yeah, it, I would say it is because it always brings me back to... Um, a way like a modern wrestling would um, reintroduce a big star who's trying to hide an injury, like say when John Cena had to wear a mask because um, he uh, was fired or something and he had to pretend he was his cousin, Juan Cena. Now that was ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) But as ridiculous as that came off on television, all the house shows were still packed because they knew John Cena was going to be there. So... That's how I would look at it because um, as ridiculous as much a Man is here, he's still here, so I'm still going to
1: watch the pay-per-view. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, following the, the, the baby fest, baby, 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 <laughs> we are um, going into our main event. And that, as we mentioned earlier on, is for the world tag team titles. We are Sting and Luger defending their championships against the, the, the always fantastic in this era Steiner Brothers. This match for me was a bit of an odd one, Danny, because, I mean, first of all, you've got a babyface team versus a babyface team. Now, I'm not saying that that is always a bad thing, but I think it can be difficult to pull off sometimes because you effectively split your audience. But, I mean, I I never really felt like there was going to be a title change here because it's on Nitro and... I, I just felt like the Giant was always going to get involved, which would then, of course, mean that we don't have a title switch. But they've hyped this match throughout the whole episode of Nitro. The main event is 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 this title match, and, and they've hyped it all the way through. But when we get to the match, we only get a short period where we get to see the guys actually wrestling. Because for the first period of the contest, after it started, we've got Randy Savage on the phone. And he agrees that he's going to coach Kevin Green and Mongo, but they talk about it for a very, very long time, don't they?
0: Yeah, they're really, really um, pushing that issue forward. Um, it kind of takes away from the match, but it, at the same time, it's. Um, I'll just go back to what you were saying, Sai earlier. Is like this is their television show, it to help push pay per view uh, buy rates and things like that. So um, it's important, but it is annoying
1: yeah yeah very much so and then when we finally get shot Savage on the phone he's had a bit of an argument with Bobby Heenan he said he's going to coach Green and Mongo we go to a bloody ad break <laughs> so we miss more of the match again uh, and then we I mean could we not have dropped one of the Hogan videos
0: yeah and, and saved
1: probably. a few yeah saved a few minutes there to use for an ad break instead so we don't lose out on the main event I don't know I don't know uh, but when we return from the ad break, the Steiners are in control of Luger for a period. Luger makes the hot tag to Sting, who very quickly uh, manages to apply a Scorpion Deathlock and and use the Scorpion Death Drop as well. Uh, before we get a Frankensteiner off the top rope on Sting from Scott Steiner, <laughs> we end up with a tag to Luger he teases the rack eventually tries it, but it gets broken up. All four men are in the ring. It's, it's a bit of a mess. And then the giant comes, out, choke slams Rick Steiner on the outside, which looked like shit. Didn't it? Oh, it didn't look good at all. I appreciate he's trying to be careful. Yeah. He doesn't want to hurt Rick Steiner. So I suppose on, on that side of things, you know, well done, Paul white. You, we, we don't want to see people getting hurt. Of course not. But it looked terrible, didn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. And then we get Scott Steiner taking out a cameraman.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just because he's Scott Steiner and he's always angry. Um, (laughs) Eventually, Luger fights the Giants off, uh, but we get Scott Steiner and Sting in the ring as well. And the crowd are all going mad for this. They're loving it. it. It's... It's an interesting end to the wrestling aspect of this episode of Nitro. And I suppose the big picture is it furthers on Luger and the Giant again. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um. As as this concludes our main event, then we head back to the commentary table. Um. Bobby Heenan here, I think, is awesome. He's an absolute mess. Ranting, shouting, but then at the same time coming across nervous and scared because Savage is going to be involved in the match that he is now involved in at the Great American Bash. He's concerned Savage is going to attack him and so on. He's he's a he's just flapping all over the place, Bobby Heenan, isn't he?
0: He is. And I felt here is um this is prime Bobby Heenan. This is nineteen ninety two Bobby Heenan. Um he was definitely becoming more of a character for this storyline rather than just the announcer.
1: Yes, indeed. Indeed. <sighs> It's almost like, I mean, when, when he's an announcer, I always in, I, I enjoy him. Uh, he's, yeah. he's, you know He's been my, my woo of the week on quite a few occasions with regards to his, his performances on commentary. But almost when he's got someone that he genuinely despises, or maybe even more so, somebody who he genuinely endorses and wants to see do well in this scenario, Ric Flair, in a similar way to you mentioned Dunning in 92 with Flair, it almost like he goes up another level because he's got that that personal investment in this particular character, and it really works for me.
0: Yeah, and he's definitely upped his character game big time because he's moving around and he's like um, he's fried to death of Randy Savage beating him up, and it just goes back to believability.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Heenan takes off though. He, he pegs it as soon as he realises that Scott Hall is here again. Which I loved that little touch of Bobby Heenan thinking, nope, I'm out of here if easier." He did not like that at all. Bobby Heenan runs away from Scott Hall. Hall here is talking to Bischoff. And we get more of the same where, where, you know, pick your three guys and all that sort of stuff. Before Sting comes out of the ring. And then we have a face-off between Scott Hall and Sting, Danny, don't we? Talk us through this and uh, um, what you thought.
0: I loved this because yeah. I was just glued to the television. I'd never seen this before. Um, it's certainly not on any of those documentaries um, that you watch, be- like on the WWE network. Um, I did not know what was going to happen. And when uh, they even Sting slapped Scott Hall, it was very, it was like, wow, this is where he first got physical. Um, I love the fact that the entire episode of or Scott Hall was not mentioned. The entire mm-hmm. hour and thirty minutes, they did not mention him. whereas last week we was talking about um uh, Eric Bischoff just over egging the pudding. Um they did not mention him until the very last second, so it just kept you watching. And Sting didn't back down, did
1: he, at all? No, no. Sting played the the babyface role here to Scott Hall's outsider invader character i guess perfectly i think sting yeah. was he's there saying you you ran your mouth out wcw well i'm here to stand up for wcw he says you're one about um you know getting three guys and and three v three and all that sort of stuff he's like well what about one-on-one me and you right now and all the all the stuff you want from your baby face the the, the face of your company the crowd are going wild for this and i agree with you danny it is so cool it is just a really cool moment because we know where this goes and everyone listening knows a great deal about where this goes but you got i think to get the real context you've got to place yourself in 1996 Mm. we're referring to scott hall as scott hall but in these moments this is razor Ramone. yeah this this isn't this isn't the scott hall we know this isn't the NWO version of Scott Hall that he becomes. This is somebody. Effectively, the whole theory they're putting forward, the, the whole feeling, the whole you know, the whole atmosphere from these, these these segments is Bischoff has been calling out the WWF for weeks. Bischoff has been giving away their finishes. Bischoff has been slagging them off, calling them the World Whining Federation, and saying that Nitro is number one, and just running his mouth about WWF. For for weeks and weeks, well, since the very episode, very beginning episode of Nitro, really. We've got the belt moment with Medusa. We've got Luga turning up. We've got all these people making little snidey comments about the WWF. For all these weeks, I mean, we're on episode, we're fast approaching episode 50 of Nitro Nights here. And that that's a long time of television, weekly, every Monday night, poking the bear. Yeah. You know, having a dig at the WWF. And then to all those people watching, there's a WWF guy and not just any WWF guy. There is a big time player from the World Wrestling Federation, Razor Ramon, stood in WCW television. He comes through the crowd, which I think is massively important. If he, come through the, if he came through the entranceway, if he came through the normal entranceway, the wrestlers that enter and leave through... It would, it would completely blow the illusion for me. Yeah. He comes through the crowd, in the middle of a match, takes a microphone, stops the match. The commentator has no Senate, it. They don't know what's going on. Runs his mouth, answers back. We get to this episode of Nitro. They don't talk about it, as you said, Danny. They don't talk about it at all. Because they're, they're trying to ignore the fact that they've had this... This interruption is how Bischoff does refer to it as once or twice on television in, these, in these, this time frame around this period. So it's all being sold as a real thing. Yeah. They never reference Hall by name. They oh, yeah. never reference him as Razor. They never reference him as Scott Hall. They just refer to him as that interruption. And it's Hall who is saying, you've been running your knife at bischoff who at the time you got to remember a lot of people thought was was just an announcer it wasn't common knowledge to to the the general wrestling fan that he was running the company you want a war you've got one here we are here we are you know and it really just sells it as this invading force coming down from up north coming down from new york here is this wwf guy And then obviously Sting standing up for WCW. And it's just... It's so well done. And and obviously we get the toothpick, the slap from Sting. Scott Hall then says he has a big surprise next week. And that's how we go off air. So instantly, to me, I'm thinking I'm watching this week.
0: Yeah, this... um goosebumps it was like if you didn't know who was who his um big surprise was next week you'd be thinking your mind would be just racing could this be vader could this be vince mcmahon himself could this be anyone you mean you would really be thinking oh my god who's he bringing who else
1: yeah i mean you did have the dirt sheets back then the likes of melts uh, alvarez and all these these guys yeah they, they were reporting various different things and so on but the internet Again, it comes back to my original point. I got—I kind of went off on a bit of a ranty tangent. I apologize. But it, it, it comes back to my original point of you need to place yourself into that time in 96 to really understand how groundbreaking this was. We can go on Twitter now or Facebook or wherever and we're bombarded with rumors and spoilers and for anything anything at all i mean my twitter account is full of wrestling and and transfer rumors for the football side of things that i'm into and there's so much that you get bombarded with all over the place now and 95 percent of it's bullshit occasionally you get a story that is true but you know things might change whatever back in 96 that that wasn't that wasn't there yeah there was no well, there was no real internet to that level. And because of that, of course, there was no Twitter, there was no Facebook, there was no social media. You literally had the dirt sheets. And that was it. And to the wrestling world, the, the amount of people that subscribed to the likes of Meltzer and so on, in 96, was a good number. The guy could make his living from it. And, and you know, as was, it was you know, heavily criticized as Dave Meltzer has been and is in present day and probably will continue to be for, for the duration of his career. He provided a service for a very long time to, to a certain type of wrestling fan who wanted to know this information. So, you know, good luck to the guy. But that, that type of wrestling fan who wanted that information, who wanted the peek behind the curtain, who wanted the dirt from the dirt sheets, was a real small number in comparison to the millions that were watching wrestling around the world.
0: Yeah, and it, so, it just shows. Sorry, go on. No, it's just going to say, it shows, doesn't it, with the, how they're uh,
1: playing out this storyline. Exactly, exactly. And it's playing on that reality-based aspect. And it does make you think, like mean, in 96, the people were sat there going, is this, is this real? I know that's Razor alone. Why is he on WCW TV? He's a WWF guy. W- what's going on? And it, I just think it was so well done. You couldn't do it again now because of the way no. the, the business works now and the industry being fully... Ex- I mean, you've got to bear in mind this is, this is uh, mid-96. We've only got a year and a bit until Montreal happens and Montreal fully uh, exposed the business properly. I mean, people knew by this stage anyway, the majority of people, unless you're a very very young child or whatever, but this still had people going, oh, hang on, that's a WWF guy. Why is he on, what's happening? Why is he on their TV? Just so well done, I think.
0: Yeah, Oh, just cannot wait to see how it goes, mate. But loved this ending. Um, Yeah, and I just can't wait
1: to see where we're going yes me too me too it's picking up momentum my friend i've enjoyed i've enjoyed every episode even the ones that we've given a miss to and and said that was a bad pay-per-view that was a bad episode of nitro whatever i've enjoyed watching them back from a nostalgia standpoint and then getting to talk to you and getting your opinion on it i've I've loved doing this show and i love the fact that people listen and tell us they enjoy this show and send us their feedback it's fantastic i'm hugely appreciative of that but it's getting really good now isn't it
0: yeah, he's getting, we're getting set on fire right now. <laughs> there we go.
1: On that note, then, Danny, I suppose we better put forward our positives and our negatives and then rate this episode of Nitro overall with our Woos and o brothers, my friend.
0: Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother! Woo!
1: Brother! First or second this week, bud? I'll go first this week, sir. You crack on.
0: So I'm going with a middle for this one. Um... I just, we talked about it at the top of the show, the beginning hour just didn't really do it. Um, I mean, you had some good matches, don't get me wrong, but yeah, I was definitely going middle for this.
1: Okay, no worries. And your woo, your O brother, your plus point, your negative, what you thinking? The woo
0: has to be simply put, the ending left you guessing on who is coming next week with Scott Hall um yeah that would be my woo
1: yeah yeah i mean I'll, I'll jump straight in there and let everyone know to absolutely no surprise whatsoever my woo is exactly the same it's scott hall <laughs> it's scott hall again scott hall is interaction with Sting. His interaction with bischoff everything about it it's the scott hall thing i comp i agree with you danny so both our woos are the same this week yeah your oh your oh brother my friend your your weak spot on the show
0: it was hard to look at this, but you'd have to go to hour one and you'd i would have to say um, that the way the match went with the shark and Big Brother, not so much the promo because this is um, John Tenter just um, denouncing himself of this ridiculous shark gimmick. But uh, yeah, the way the match just kind of just crumbled. Yeah, that mm. would be my old
1: brother, mate. What about yours, mate? Mine is actually the main event. Oh, because I appreciate there was a lot of wrestling on this show that maybe doesn't tick the boxes for me. I like a certain style of wrestling. I like I like my wrestling done in a certain way, and there was plenty on this show that didn't really tick those boxes for me. However, Sting Luger versus the Steiners, that had the potential to tick the box for me. That had the potential yeah. to be something I was really looking forward to. And they built it up all the way through the episode as something that we should look forward to. But when we got to it, there was nothing to it. The savage phone call and the giant turning up. There was no, there was no real match. So that's, that's my over Brother, I think, my friend. It kind of just how the main event fell very much short from what I was looking forward to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you've already given it a middle, as you mentioned. Uh, for me, I'm so excited about the whole Scott Hall stuff. It might actually just sneak into a hit territory for me. But mm. a very, very low-end hit. It's yeah. good. It's good, but it's not as good as last week. Yeah, I can see that, mate. Fair enough. Danny, before we depart, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online and all the brilliant shows and content you are involved in?
0: Yep, you can find me on Twitter at ScottishJuggalo. You can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis. You can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters. And you can hear me here with the great Cy Powell next week where we'll be talking more about Scott Hall and Scott Hall's big big surprise
1: scott hall's big surprise indeed yes i'm looking forward to it my friend looking forward to it uh you can check out me and anything i'm involved in via the network that carries this show at sjp world media on twitter and facebook and via that you get all the shows that the network carries so there's plenty of wrestling on there modern day and nostalgia based there's plenty of uh, shows looking at television programs murder in mind quantumly doctor who all sorts going on there new shows coming all the time at sjp world media on facebook and twitter make sure you subscribed to everything as well on your spotify's your itunes your po- all your podcast players subscribe to the network's main feed and and chuck us a big fat five star review because we're fucking brilliant and i think we deserve it but most importantly you can follow this show at nitro underscore nights that's at nitro underscore nights on facebook and twitter Check out the merch as well that is available now via our brilliant suppliers at Tee Public. Loads of new designs up now, one of them featuring the big gold belt with a bit of spray-painted graffiti upon them, like uh, NWO styling there. There's a little bit of a Scott Hall tribute shirt with regards to his first appearance on there as well Uh, all the WCW pay-per-view logos kind of tinkered with and toyed with to reference the show as well Um, something for everyone really if you enjoyed this podcast if you enjoyed WCW I advise you to check out the merchandise and and go and grab yourself some goodies there Danny looking forward to speaking to you again next week my friend me too mate take care and to everyone else as always thank you for listening